The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Scott Chu. Yo, everybody. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. My name is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChuFits. That's if the C-H-U fits. And let's get right to it. It is Sunday, August 14th. Let's talk about some baseball. Ronald Acuna Jr. hurt his knee on Saturday, but shouldn't hit the IL. He could be back as soon as today or maybe at least on uh, early next week. Mike Trout reportedly felt really good after getting more hitting reps on Saturday on the field. He could very well be back by or before September. Andrew Heaney isn't currently expected to miss any time or a start after leaving a start on Saturday with a bruised arm. Dustin May looks like he'll be activated on August 20th. That's a Saturday against the Marlins. Definitely someone you're going to want to fire up. He's been excellent in all of his rehab starts, striking out tons of folks. Giancarlo Stanton should begin a rehab assignment sometime next week, and he could be back sometimes within the next seven to ten days if all goes well maybe a touch longer Juan Yepes of the Cardinals if you remember he'd been a hot hitter on and off earlier this season he could be coming back as early as Tuesday so if you're in a deep league keep your eye out for that Wander Franco looks like he's likely to begin a rehab assignment over the next week though it may be a bit of an extended rehab assignment as he'll be starting in the complex league which generally means it's going to be a little bit longer before he comes back and George Springer should be able to return to the Blue Jays sometime over the next week as he's feeling a lot better as well hitting performances from yesterday. Let's lead with Max Muncy. Out of nowhere, this guy's really turned it back on. He went four for five yesterday with a double, a home run, two runs scored, and four RBI. That's his fifth home run in August, so I guess the shoulder is feeling better. Whatever it was that was troubling him, it certainly seems to be better now, and he is someone that you should be very excited about rostering over the rest of the season, if you still do. Carlos Correa of the Twins, he's been a tiny bit disappointing this season, but not yesterday. He went two for two with a home run, two RBI, and three walks. Look, the power's been absent all month, but his plate discipline's been fantastic. In 10-teamers, I get why you might be benching him, but anything deeper than that would be a pretty tough pill to swallow unless you're really deep at shortstop or you don't have a middle infield spot or anything like that to fill. While he hasn't been super consistent this season, there's still a lot of potential in that bat. Ian Happ of the Cubs, he went 2-for-5 with a home run and 4 RBI. It's annoying that Happ hasn't attempted a stolen base since July 7th and hasn't been successful since July 5th, but Happ's got an extra base hit in 6 of his last 8 games and he could be starting to turn a corner here. Keep an eye on his plate discipline, though. He's usually a very patient hitter and has decent plate discipline numbers, but he's swinging a lot lately, really aggressive. It could hurt happen OBP formats, a format where he's usually a much safer play. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa of the Yankees, he went three for four with a home run and three RBI. 
RBI. It was his first extra base hit of the month and his first home run of the year for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. His value is really limited to deep roto leagues because he does steal bases and has okay batting average, but uh, you know, he can't really do much more than that. He's really tough to roster in 12 teamers, but again, he should get to 20 stolen bases now for the second consecutive season. Matt Olson of Atlanta, he went three for nine in the doubleheader, two home runs and four RBI, a very productive doubleheader for Olson as he extended his home run streak to three consecutive games after he just suffered through a 10-game home run drought. The home runs will always be there, and I think the OBP for Olsen should be strong the rest of the season, around 340, 350, maybe even 360, even if he can't reach 35 home runs like he did in 2021 and 2019. Trent Grisham, a guy who's been quite disappointing, but turning it back on a little, he went two for three with a home run, a walk, and a stolen base. It's a combo meal, and Grisham's sixth home run of the second half and his first stolen base, though it somewhat explains the problem with Grisham this season, we're not seeing the power and speed combined because a guy like Grisham who can only hit 20 home runs and only steal five to seven bases like he's looking like this year just doesn't cut it in mixed league outfields. But at least we're seeing a little bit of improvement here in the second half, especially with the power. Vaughn Grisham, here's a guy people can't stop talking about. For Atlanta, he went two for eight in the doubleheader with a home run, two runs scored and two RBI. He has come out of the gate swinging with Grisham hitting three extra base hits in his first four contests and scoring at least one run in each of those four games. Grisham hasn't taken a walk to go with the five strikeouts he's racked up and the plate discipline will be an important barometer to watch as he continues to progress for the rest of the season. Grisham didn't walk much in double A. He wasn't there for very long, but it can be tough to survive in the big leagues and upper minors if you don't take a walk once in a while. So that's something I'll definitely be looking for as I try to project him for the rest of this season and next season. Josh Rojas of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's in Colorado. He went three for five with a home run, three RBI and a stolen base. Good combo meal for him. And Colorado's a good place for a soft swinging hitter like Rojas to order a combo meal. He should continue to be a decent source of steals, batting average, and OBP, but not much else. Rojas just isn't a very hard hitting guy, uh, just more of a contact and stolen base ass. Emmanuel Rivera, also of the Diamondbacks, he went two for four with two home runs and a walk. That's four home runs in seven games for Rivera, who's actually more of just a fringe prospect with an okay hit tool. At least that's what I thought coming into the season. It's worth noting that Rivera has faced very soft opponents thus far this month, namely the Pirates and Rockies pitching staffs, so continued production is hard to predict until we see sustained success against teams that can pitch consistently. So just something to watch for with Emmanuel Rivera. Jake Fraley, here's a guy I actually kind of like of the Reds. He went three for four with a double two run scored in an RBI. He's not going to play as often as you like. He will sit, especially against lefties, but Jake Fraley could be a sneaky difference maker in deep OBP leagues thanks to his incredibly judicious approach at the plate and his modest but meaningful power and speed. His batting average is always going to be ugly to his because of his fly ball heavy profile, but there's something here if you're in a deep league and are in need of OBP or an outfielder, so really take a look at Jake Fraley, see if he meets your need. Trey Mancini went three for four with a double, two runs scored, and an RBI. Look, he's probably not good enough to stash in 12-teamers right now unless you've got a deep bench because for whatever reason, the Astros don't want to play him every day, but I think most of us do wish that Trey Mancini was playing more, especially at home. Also, did anyone realize that Yuli Gurriel has eight stolen bases this season? Sure, he's been one of baseball's worst defensive first basemen by outs above average. He was really good in 2019 and 2020, though, and he can't hit for power or average, but Yuli Gurriel has eight steals and is 38 years old. That's wild. Jose Siri of the Rays, he went three for four with three runs scored and two stolen bases. Siri's got an incredibly aggressive approach. It's going to crush his ratios, but Siri's one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball and is among the fastest players in the league. He's a decent boomer bust DFS play against lefties when he's in the lineup, though that might change in terms of how often he's in the lineup with the return of Manuel Margot at some point this season. Michael Harris, the second of Atlanta, he went one for three 
three with a double, a run scored, an RBI, a walk, and a stolen base in one of those two games in the doubleheader. He's hitting 342 so far this month with two home runs and two steals. And I'll never say enough good things about how he's developing in the majors. He's recently been struggling with ground balls as pitchers attack Harris with more breaking and off-speed pitches, but he's making hard contact and it's just a matter of time until Michael Harris II turns those ground balls into liners and fly balls again. And even if he doesn't, he's still hitting 342 on the month. So a lot of upside still there. And then speaking of updates, upside, Andres Jimenez. He went two for two with an RBI, two walks, and a stolen base. Jimenez extended his hitting streak to seven games, but what impresses me the most about Andres Jimenez is that he does damage to all pitch types. He's hitting 279 against fastballs and over 300 on off-speed and breaking pitches this season while slugging at least 400 across all three pitch classifications. We could be looking at a guy in Jimenez who can hit 270 or better with 15 home runs and 15 stolen bases year after year. In years like this, where Jimenez is on pace to potentially get to 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases and hit 290 or better are well within the range of outcomes in terms of his upside. So really, really exciting what he's doing over in Cleveland. Starting pitching performances from yesterday, Logan Webb went against the Pirates. He got the win on eight innings pitch, no earned runs, five hits, two walks, and nine strikeouts, 16 whiffs. And really the difference between this game and other games in terms of the strikeouts is that the off-speed pitches both look good and Webb should continue to be a ratio asset even if the strikeouts are a bit less consistent than they were in 2021. DL Hall made his debut for the Orioles against the Tampa Bay Rays. He got the loss on 3.2 innings pitch, five earned runs, five hits, three walks, and six strikeouts, only seven whiffs. And here's the thing, elite stuff, which DL Hall absolutely has, does not automatically mean whiffs, especially when you can't command your pitches. There's big upside in DL Hall, but not for 2022, as the Orioles have said he'll go back to working on being a reliever in the minors to keep his pitch count under control and to help that minor league team in the stretch run. Zach Gallen of the Arizona Diamondbacks was in Colorado, but it didn't matter. He still got the win, seven innings pitch, no earned runs, just two hits, one walk, and six strikeouts. He got a ton of called strikes with the heater as he usually does and when you combine that with good command of his off-speed pitches and keeping them down you can get really good results no matter what field you're in even core Lance McCullers Jr. made his season debut for the Houston Astros against the Oakland A's he got the win on six innings pitch no earned runs two hits four walks five strikeouts seven whiffs uh he had 81 pitches there I think he continued to work up just a little bit the curve for McCullers looks good and honestly that's all I'm ever looking for with Lance McCullers Jr. because if game seven of the 2017 ACLS taught us anything it's at Lance McCullers, plus his curveball is a scary opponent no matter what else is working. If you haven't, if you don't remember what happened in game seven of the 2017 ACLS when Lance McCullers Jr. threw 24 consecutive curveballs and the Yankees couldn't do anything about it, it just tells you about the upside he has even with just that pitch, although obviously he'll need more than that for sustained success. Reed Detmers of the Angels went against the Twins. It's a no decision, but that's not his fault. He went five innings pitch with two earned runs, five hits, three walks, nine strikeouts, and the development of Detmers' slider and overall command has him looking like a legit stud right now. You should be very excited if he's on your roster. Graham Ashcraft of the Reds, he went against the Cubs. He got the loss on 6.1 innings pitch, but only three earned runs, six hits, three walks, four strikeouts. And here's the thing with Graham Ashcraft. He does have that nasty uh, sinker kind of ball that he throws, but he's never going to be a big strikeout guy. And when he does, it's very inconsistent, but keep starting him against soft opponents like his divisional opponents in the Cubs or the Pirates, and you'll be okay. Just don't trust him. Once you trust him, that's when you get in trouble. Lucas Giolito of the White Sox, he went against the Tigers. He got the win on seven innings pitch, four earned runs, eight hits, one walk, and seven strikeouts. The command was better, and that's cool, but I'm nervous about how hittable Lucas Giolito still is. There's an argument to be made that Giolito was the victim of some bad luck here,
here, but even a heap of bad luck should have a better line than this, considering that he's a right-handed pitcher going up against the Detroit Tigers. So I'm still pretty concerned here, although at least this is better than what we've seen in the past. Matt Manning, on the other side, he did not have such a good game against the White Sox. He went five innings pitched, four and runs, 10 hits, one walk and five strikeouts. His velocity was back up to about 94.4 miles an hour, and he actually got eight whiffs on the four-seamer after having just nine whiffs on that pitch and his first four starts combined. But there's more growth needed here, and now he's looking more like a post-hype sleeper for next season than anything else, and that's only if he can continue to get some more swings and misses. He was a highly regarded prospect at one time, even top 15. At one time, we thought he might be the best pitcher in that Detroit system, but he's not showing that yet, but maybe he can later. Shane McClanahan of the race, he went against Baltimore. He got the win, six innings pitched, two earned runs, seven hits, three walks, four strikeouts. And I'm I'm not worried long-term about Shane McClanahan, but with McClanahan's velocity down a bit, and the fact that he now has three straight starts with under five strikeouts, and for reference, Shane McClanahan had at least seven strikeouts in 17 of his first 19 starts this season, and never had fewer than five in any of those 19 starts. There's enough optics here even just for the Rays to do some weird Rays stuff, like put McClanahan on game-by-game pitch counts, or skip a start here and there for the stretch run, because he is over the number of innings he pitched last season, which was somewhere around 120. He's up around 135 right now, so keep an eye on that. I don't think they'll shut him down, but they could do some other squirrely stuff, as they do need him to try to get to the wild card. Jacob DeGrom, uh, he went against the Phillies and just did more DeGrom stuff. Six innings pitch, no one runs, two hits, no walks, 10 strikeouts, 19 whiffs, and that's just 76 pitches, folks. Just imagine what this guy's going to do when he can go 80, 90, 100. Uh, that might not be till a little later in the season, though. Aaron Nola was on the other side of the mound, and while he did go eight innings pitched with one run, four hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts, that's not good enough when you face DeGrom. So Nola got the loss, obviously nothing to worry about, but that just tells you how good Jake DeGrom is. And then Frankie Montas, you can just breathe a slight, slight breath of relief. He went against the Red Sox, no decision, five innings pitched, two earned runs, five hits, two walks, four strikeouts, only seven. 78 pitches, keeping that pitch count down because of the fact that he is coming off that soldier shoulder injury. Didn't pitch well last time, probably didn't want to push it here, but he should get that pitch count up soon and be a lot more useful to you in all leagues. Relief, relief pitching performances from yesterday. Clay Holmes got a break after a 20-pitch blown save on Friday, his third consecutive blown save, I should add, and it was Scott Efros who got the save with Aroldis Chapman getting the win in relief, with Aaron Boone suggesting that it could be a committee going forward. It's worth noting that both Efros and Chapman have been fantastic of late, with Efros only allowing a, more than one run, or even any runs, in just one of his last 12 outings, and Chapman has only allowed runs in just one of his last nine, while Holmes, on the other hand, has allowed runs in four of his last five. So definitely something to keep an eye on. If you're really desperate for saves, you should be scooping up Scott Efros or Aroldis Chapman uh, as quickly as you can, in case you, ha- you know, just in case you really need to make that push. One of them will start getting saved soon. Jorge Lopez blew the save for the Twins against the Angels, still just has a single save to his name since landing in Minnesota to go with two blown saves. The thing is, Jorge Lopez hasn't pitched poorly, and he had a 1.64 ERA and 11 strikeouts in his last 10 appearances before yesterday, so I don't think that role is in jeopardy quite yet. And then hard-throwing Jonathan Hernandez of the Rangers. He throws about 98 miles an hour. He picked up his third save of the season despite throwing 29 pitches on Friday. So when you usually, when you see a reliever throw 29 pitches on a day, he's not available the next day. But this possibly gives us some clarity that the bull in that bullpen for the Rangers, as the Rangers management seems to prefer right-handed Hernandez to left Brock Burke, and Matt Moore. So Jonathan Hernandez, definitely someone who I think is winning that role pretty clearly, and I'm not sure he really even has to worry about someone like Joe Barlow coming off the IL at some point. It looks like it's Jonathan Hernandez's role for now. Now, before we get into the action for today, let's take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. 
Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we're back, and as we look into today, today's action, let's start with the weather with our guy Mark. Mark, take it away. Thank you very much. Looking at the games today and Sunday, mainly afternoon games, which is common for Sunday, we got one game that will have some showers around, and that's the Cubs at the Cincinnati Reds. Not expecting a postponement. We'll just have to keep an eye on how much that rain is going to fall. It looks like it should hold off for the most part, and they'll be able to play. But that's the game to watch. Have a good one. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. We always appreciate your input, especially as we're trying to set those lineups for the very last day of the week, especially in those head-to-head leagues. As we look at the matchups today, I'll start with starting pitching two streamers I like. There's not a lot of great options out there, folks. You're really grasping at straws, but if you need to grasp at straws, I'll start with Keegan Thompson. He's in Cincinnati against the Reds, and this is really more about a lack of confidence in the Reds than it is about Keegan Thompson, although he has been good of late, and I think this is a winnable game for him. If you need a second name, it's Braxton Garrett, who has pitched fairly well of late against Atlanta but it's not a great start obviously at least he's at home I guess but those are the two names I would think about the rest just really don't have good matchups or are probably rostered in too many leagues for you to think about in terms of streaming or will just be very popular DFS options Uh, and then on the relief pitching side a couple vulture save names to keep in mind AJ Minter Adam Adovino Michael Fulmer and Kendall Graveman that's Minter Adovino Fulmer and Graveman they all have increased odds at a save due to their team's closers having heavy workloads already this weekend I should add to that Camilo Doval of the Giants has pitched two days in a row, but he's only thrown 24 total pitches in that span, so I'm not quite ready to say that John Brebbia or Dominic Leone are in line for a save, although if you're extremely desperate and neither Minter, Adovino, Fulmer, or Graveman are available, Brebbia or Leone would be the next names that I think could vulture a save. And on the hitting side, a lot more easy matchups to find good hitters for. Let's start with White Sox right-handed hitters against lefty Tyler Anderson. Uh, Sorry, Tyler Alexander of the Tigers. Pollock leading off he's right-handed. I think that's a good one. He also had a home run yesterday. And Josh Harrison with a ton of eligibility, batting sixth right behind Eloy, Andrew Vaughn, and Jose Abreu. So I do think Josh Harrison could get some very cheap RBI in this one. The Cubs are going to go against Justin Dunn. That's the other pitcher in Cincinnati. So I definitely like Ortega, who's leading off in that game. And then home run hitters like Fran Reyes and Patrick Wisdom should enjoy the dimensions of Great American Ballpark and try to take advantage of it. And then finally, the Twins against lefty Tucker Davison. Gio Rochelle has been hitting somewhat near the middle of the lineup. I think he's a decent look. And then if Jose Miranda is still available in your league, he can't stop having multiple hit games. 
games. And if he's out there, you need to grab him, especially for this. I also like him in DFS. And with that, we thank you so much for listening. Again, my name is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. You can check out my work on the site. I do the hitter list. You can also check out everything else we've got. We've got the SP Roundup. We've got the list. That's going to come out again on uh, Monday or Tuesday. We've got all kinds of great stuff on the site that you should be checking out all the time. Because again, a lot of your league mates are checking out. And if you want to win this league, even if you're in fourth or fifth, you have a good chance to jump as people's attention shift towards football. And if that's not you, you've got an advantage. Or even if it is, spend a little bit of time with baseball. I think you get a lot of mileage out of it. And have a great rest of your day and have a great rest of your fantasy season. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.